Welcome to the Swine Health Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine health research digested for you. Swine Health Black Belt Podcast is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like, through innovative solutions, cutting-edge research, and world-class experts, Beringer Ingelheim helps producers operate with complete confidence. Learn more at swineresource.com. SCA Ventilation and Management Solutions. Made for farmers by farmers since 1966. Salmonella presents significant challenges to pig health and performance and poses food safety risks to humans. As the first and only vaccine offering live attenuated strains of both Salmonella cholerasias and Typhimurium, Enterosol Salmonella TC from Beringer Ingelheim protects pigs against both stereotypes with a single oral dose. Talk to your Beringer Ingelheim representative to learn more. My name is Dr. Clayton Johnson, your host for today's episode. Joining me is Dr. Edison Magahes with Iowa State University. Edison, welcome to the show. Would you like to introduce yourself for the audience? Sure, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Edison Magalhães, I'm a I'm DVM, I graduated in Brazil. Worked there for five years in the swine industry, Brazilian swine industry. Came in 2019 to do my master's with Dr. Daniel Linhares in epidemiology. Finished that in 2021, and now I'm working on my PhD, so it's been a good journey. Very good. Edison, you recently published an article about uh, PERS regional control programs, and the article talked about historical programs, because those have certainly been going on for quite some time. Um, could you give us a, a little bit of background on those previous regional PERS programs? What were they focused on, and were they successful in their early areas of focus? Those programs, they started and they, they were pretty sex, successful in, uh, in the beginning. They had a, a novel technology that was to integrate different diagnostics from multiple sites and try to organize that by the region and give actually give to the producers what is the information, the prevalence in their region. for the, the So that stimulated a lot of the producers that started and those that were around their region but were not participating to join. Uh, everyone wanted to join that. So it was a really important tool. Everyone was, was struggling with PERS by that time. So we know that if you want to deal with PERS, no matter what you do, if your neighbor is not controlling, that's going to impact in, uh, your control somehow. So those programs focus on that side that uh, specifically. And that was a, a great uh, advance for that period of time. We've had technology improvements, certainly since these regional PERS control programs started. Do new technology opportunities make the sharing of information better? Do new uh, diagnostic sampling strategies make the information we're sharing about sites more accurate now, Edison? Yeah, sure. One of the major things that I would say that change uh, over time in terms of PERS control that applies to uh, regional control projects is the population-based samples that people are using more in the farms, in south farms specifically, and also growing sites. So we have oral fluids a lot being used, family oral fluids, uh, processing fluids was a, was a great advance. So that gives us a, a better way to, to monitor the, the, the sites at the, at the site level. And that information also, based on the prevalence, also support uh, the regional and 
if we look at the diagnostic capability, we have the automation between communication of, of, of diagnostic information. So there's a way to access that information on a real-time basis and share that on a real-time basis uh, with the whole uh, region, with all the participants. So we have better diagnostics for controlling PERS and we have better communication of the diagnostics. So we are uh, able to do an early detection and also we could do some early intervention based on that, those tools. Yeah, information is power, and the more timely the information is, the faster you can act on it. Edison, in those uh, early regional control projects, were there any um, areas of focus that they did not include that perhaps could have helped some of the efficacy of those early projects? Yeah, one of the major things, uh, Clayton, that I see, uh, they did a really good job, like I said, on those diagnostic information, getting that information, summarizing, creating that uh, uh, reports for the whole region. But one piece that uh, was missing in, in those regional control programs will be uh, an action, right? An action plan based on what information that you have. So that's one thing that people were having information on a, a timely information, almost real-time basis. Like, like I said, diagnostic tools are improving and the communication is improving. But the action piece was kind kind of missing. So, and also you have the capability to, uh, even though you you can stratify how is the re regional prevalence, you can have some more uh, severe inter interventions based on a low prevalence in the region. Why you don't have to be so let's say don't have to be so strict when you have a high prevalence. So there's a, a flexibility that you have to 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 take into account. Very good. Edison, in your paper, you proposed a new model for regional PERS control programs. I assume you've incorporated some of the, the coordinated actions as a part of that proposal. Could you talk to us a little bit about the details of your new proposed program? How does it differ from the historic and how do you hope to help producers with PERS management with this new program? Sure, yeah. I would say four uh, major uh topics within these that are important for the next generation of PERS regional control programs. So the first two things, diagnostic and monitoring uh, protocols, we're going to use what we learned so the, from the previous programs. And like I said, people are evolving. So uh, monitoring and diagnostics focus on population-based samples. But what we included to, to what people are doing is also monitoring productivity data. So, for example, in the salt farm parameters like preweaning mortality, abortions, such factors can also uh, identify or early you can early identify an outbreak before an, uh, a diagnostic if you are monitoring those productivity parameters on a weekly basis. So that piece is important along with diagnostics. And the other thing is, uh, Dr. Holtkamp proposed recently the, the update for the, the site classification, the, uh, the ASV classification for PERS. We propose to keep using that on a site basis, but also to create the classification by for the region. So we, based on the prevalence of the of the of PERS uh, in the sites, uh, including in the region, we're gonna have a high, median, low, uh, provisional negative and negative uh, classification for the region. So like I said, you can be more uh, aggressive in terms of interventions when you're reaching low prevalence because you're not going to be asking people to depopulate sites that are positive for PERS if everyone has PERS. So as you reach a low prevalence, you're going to start being more aggressive. And the last piece 
is the action plan, which is, I think is the most important. Everyone sit down before starting the project, agree with, a, uh, with an action plan that is feasible for everyone, all the parties, and then you start to implement. And you can be aggressive, like doing depopulation when you have a, a site that is positive, but you can also, okay, I'm not gonna be able to depopulate, but I can do some two double dose vaccination uh, on my animals, on my, on my positive site, because you know that vaccination reduces shedding. So if you're not going to remove the pigs out of this of the region, you can at least uh, reduce the, the shedding by doing vaccination. So we have some some components that, uh, for example, if you have a sow farm and the regional prevalence is low and a positive growing site, uh, a site becomes positive, a growing site becomes positive close to a sow farm that is negative, that sow farm should start doing a weekly monitoring as, as this farm was doing for like an outbreak, that farm, even though it's negative, should start doing that because the, 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 the likelihood of, of an outbreak increase having a, a neighbor that is positive. And like I said, if you have a positive growing side that is positive, if you don't want to depopulate, let's do a double dose vaccination. And if the prevalence in the region is low and if you have uh, growing sites that are surrounding that positive site, you can do uh, uh, one dose vaccination in those sites, at least to increase immunity if, if they get contaminated. So the good important thing here is that everyone's agree with that. So even though you have different production systems in a region uh, working together, if everyone agrees to take those actions as the, uh, the, the, the over time, uh, everybody wins. That's what, how I see. So pretty much we, we use everything that uh, the previous regional controls, they did a good job on, on preparing, uh, let, let's say the foundations, but the missing component is, a, is an action plan that will use all the tools that we have available today for controlling PERS. Excellent, Edison. Thank you very much for all the, the work that you put into this effort, you know, on behalf of the swine industry. I certainly want to thank you because if we can manage PERS virus better in any region, that's got uh, global benefits for all of us. Thank you, Dr. Edison. Thank you for coming on our show. And to everyone else, thank you for listening to the Swine Health Black Belt podcast. Please visit us at swinehealthblackbelt.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss out on the next episode. For Dr. Clayton Johnson and Dr. Edison Magahes, see you next week. Hey, everyone. We're always searching for the latest and greatest research to share each week. If you have a swine health-related research trial and would like to come on the show to talk about it with me and share it with our audience, feel free to send an email to healthblackbelt@swineit.com, and we would love to take a look at your research. Mm-hmm.